Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Palm Sunday, uh, the beginning of what's called Passion Week, the beginning of Jesus going to fulfill his purpose of what he came to earth to do, to fulfill the ministry that he came for and to eventually go to the cross and to the resurrection from the dead. But I want to start out this morning. Is this a little loud or is it just me? A little loud? Uh, I'm on uh, the orange one. Switch it. There we go. You know, and just to bring a, well, I don't know where those went. I was going to say to bring a little humor to the room, I was going to turn our back ambiance lights on because, uh, you know, as a church, we want to have a light show. But it's not plugged in over there. Um, But I want to start out with a quote by C.S. Lewis. This was a quote I read during the week. It just really struck me, and I loved it. I want to share it with you this morning. It goes this way. I believe in Christ as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, because, but because by it, I see everything else. And I was thinking about how when I became a believer, when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, how my eyes were opened to see so many things I had never seen before and look at life from a different perspective than I knew existed. You know, that's the thing. I, I thought I... Pretty well was pretty well educated. You know, used to sit on the beach, talk about all kinds of philosophies and religions. And, you know, we even had a, our own uh, surfing guru who taught us God was the ocean, you know, and the surfboard was the mediator between God and man. And when you're riding the wave, you're in it. You know, and I came to find out he was just like, I think, second cousin to Bozo. Because he did not know what he was talking about. Because when my eyes were open, when I believed in Christ, as I believe in seeing the sun sunrise, it's not that alone. It's what I see because of the light. So I love that quote. Uh, we're going to begin this morning in Luke chapter 19 as we look at um, Palm Sunday. picture here is Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. He's headed towards the fulfillment and to the crucifixion, to the trial, to the betrayal, to the crucifixion, and to the resurrection. All of those things taking place in a week's time there. And uh, he sends his disciples forward. He says, go over here to the stables. You'll find a a young colt, donkey. It's never been ridden. Get it. And um, they did, and he rides it into Jerusalem, and we see here, uh, we're going to back up to verse uh, 37, and as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, 
the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen and saying, Hosanna, or blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered and he told them this, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. I like that scripture. That is not an empty saying. Jesus wasn't just throwing something out to be like, oh, yeah, okay. No, the stones would have cried out. In fact, it says the whole earth is crying out, but I believe it would have been audible. I believe that the stones and all of God's creation who is prepared to praise him at all times and declare his glory at all times, all of creation, it says, is declaring the glory of God. Uh, I don't know how often you can look at these mountain ranges around us and not say to yourself immediately, the steadfast love of God is like the majestic mountains. You know, I mean, that's to me is what comes to my mind when we've got a beautiful view of Pioneer Peak and Twin Peaks out our window. And, uh, and I just sit there every day, as much as I get tired of Alaska, yet I don't get tired of the sights. I don't get tired of the, the visual of the expression of this creation and what it says to me about God because it's declaring his glory. So what Jesus was saying there, these rocks would have cried out, wasn't just an empty wives' tale or an empty saying. It, it was saying, what I am doing and what God is doing, and I think of the word that was brought this morning about the river being poured out, requires a response. God is saying, Jesus is saying, what I am doing entering into Jerusalem to head here is requiring a response. And God's most glorious creation is the ones that responded. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they're responding. They maybe don't even know why. Some of them are there because one time they were there when they saw him multiply fish and bread. And they were like, hey, maybe today's another good day. Going to get fed. Jesus is going to take us to lunch. Glory. <laughs> maybe they were there for that reason. They... I think they didn't know exactly why they were there. But they were mostly there because they were God's creation. You're, most, you're mostly where you are today because you are God's creation. He created you. He planned you. He knew you in the womb. He knew you would be here in this time, in this season, for this day to bring about the things that he wants to bring about for you and for him in relationship. It's a glorious thing. But his most glorious creation is what was bringing forth praises there. And they were wanting to have Jesus stop it. And Jesus is very clear. He said, if I stop them, get ready. The rocks are going to cry out. And I don't think they were ready for that. 
In Psalms 19.1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. We serve a creative God, the creator of the world. We can be led to worship through the things that he's created. But it's very clear, you worship the creator, not the creation. I have a lot of friends, woodsmen, hunters, fishermen, you know, people that came to Alaska, hikers, just love it. And they're like, well, I don't really attend church. My church is, is this, you know. And I can really get their point. You know, I can see their point. I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's a glorious sanctuary. And I can see that their point is also saying, it's leading me in my way, in the way I'm capable of, of expressing praise to God as well. As a pastor, I'm like, yeah, but you're missing the best creation of all. You're missing God's people, the most beautiful creation of all. Now, that can be very debatable because God's people can be kind of weird. (laughs) And they can do some uh, weird things. (laughs) But God calls them his most precious creation. He says, in fact, they're so precious, I made them in my own image. He doesn't say he made the mountains in his image. He doesn't say he made the forest in his image or the desert or all the animals in his image. He made man in his image. He made humankind in his image. You're the most beautiful creation, and you've been called to bring praise and honor and glory to his name. Now, we're going to get to what I believe is one of the most spiritual dynamic um, spiritual dynamics that will revolutionize your life. Much of the scripture is about spiritual principles, principles to guide yourself by, principles to live, live by. Well, I think one of the greatest spiritual dynamics that will revolutionize your life is when you learn to come to the creator God and praise him and give him thanks for the circumstances around your life, no matter what they are. They might be bad right now. Your circumstances might be... I've had some bad things happen to me over the years as I've served the Lord. Sometimes I missed this spiritual dynamic and had to just... Like, I'll figure a way through this. I'll live through it. Time heals. This happens. That happens. I'll get through it. Other times I have found, by the grace of God, oh, God, I thank you. Praise your name. Thank you for the circumstances I'm in right now. I don't understand why it's this way. Why does it have to be this way? Why am I broke? You know, whatever it might be. But I give you praise, I give you glory, I give you thanks, because I know this in Romans 8, 28, it says, my God is working all these things all the time for my good because I'm called by him and I love him. 
And so if I can come to a place of believing that my creator loves me so much, has me in his heart so much, that even in my worst circumstances, even when I'm battling, maybe you're battling addiction, maybe you're battling depression, maybe you're battling um, with a spouse, maybe you're battling whatever it might be, your health. Instead of trying to manipulate God and beg him to change your circumstances, let that aside, enter the spiritual power of praise. That's what was happening here. Glory to God, praise, praise God, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. It was setting a foundation for a week of a powerful thing that was going to reshape mankind, reshape the earth, reshape and give birth to the church. All right. Oh. Yeah, Romans 8, 28 tells us. All things work together to the good to, to them that love God. Begin to practice I'm going to praise and give thanksgiving. I'm going to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 100 says, come, come into his courts, enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. You know, praise and thanksgiving. Pray, get that in your head before you leave here today. I'm going to begin to praise and give thanks in all things, in all circumstances. We've got a great example here in the book of Acts. While we're turning there, I'm going to make mention. Nancy mentioned about, uh, you know, saying things and a little bird might pick up on it and take it someplace. You know who came to mind right away? Haman. Boy, that little bird came with some impact. If you know the story of Esther and Haman, and Haman's whispering into the king's ear, and Haman's design, got this design to get rid of uh, Mordecai. And get rid of all the Jews. And he's got a plan. And he's whispering, you know. And a little birdie picked it up, got it over to Esther. Esther captivated her husband's heart, the king, in boldness and in humility. Brought it to him, and the king's eyes were opened up. And he said, this is Haman's work? Yeah, let's kill him. <laughs> didn't work out so good for Haman. So we should always be careful. And I think if we live our lives with, with an attitude of praise and thanksgiving and understanding the spiritual dynamic of what that opens up in the heavenlies for you, changes things. I have tried to manipulate God through prayer. Anybody else in this room ever do that? Yeah. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, you know, like, oh, God, if you do this, I'll be, God, if you'll be, I'll be, yeah. God's like, no, that's not how this works. But I do have this, son, I am working all of this for your good. Because what it will produce in you All right, 
Acts chapter 16. Is that where we left off? All right. Here's a great story about this. It's in verse 25. Here's Paul and Silas. They're just going along with what they feel God's told them to do, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news, traveling about. And uh, they run into some resistance. They get thrown into prison for it, for preaching in the name of Jesus. And in verse um, 25, we see this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They weren't in great comfort, folks. They had just lost their freedom. They were in a bad circumstance. They didn't know the outcome of what it would be. But they knew this. They knew a God who had a plan for their life, and that plan was to produce good things throughout the course of their life until it was their time to be taken home with him. So in the midst of any trial, you can do the same thing. In the midst of your greatest trial, you can do the same thing. At midnight, they began to sing hymns, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violently that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Now, you're like, oh, a powerful earthquake. Well, that, that's just a natural phenomenon. It can happen. We've had a few around here. I, I saw a lot of things at my last, in the last uh, big earthquake we had at my house. And none of them just opened doors and unlocked chains. They actually turned cabinets over and threw things off to shelves and yeah. made a lot of destruction. I mean... I don't see that here where the, the, the stone prison collapsed on everybody, which is what you would normally expect in an earthquake. Didn't happen. Anyway, the principle there, the dynamic there, is in their circumstances, they're just singing and praising God and giving thanks. Last week when we had communion, our brother Brent was talking about Corey Tin Boom's situation and her sister. How many were here for that? Everybody? Well, for those that weren't, um, they were put in a, a Nazi prison camp. And uh, Corey's sister, one of the things she was doing was giving thanks to the Lord and everything. And she gave, started giving thanks to the Lord for the fleas. The fleas were a plague. The fleas were awful. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, there's a flea. I mean, they were tormentors, tormented by fleas. And she, Corey was so upset with her sister. How can you give thanks to God for the fleas? And her sister says, the fleas keep the German uh, guards away from us and we can have prayer meetings. Just going to close up here. In the, in the book of John chapter 4, 
There's a story about a woman. Jesus is going through Samaria, and he goes to the well, Jacob's well there, and he encounters a woman that has come, it says, around noontime to draw water. Now, normally they would go and draw water earlier in the morning when it's cooler or in the evening when it's cooler, but she's there around noontime. She's by herself. It's obvious we get the picture that she is the brunt of a lot of talk in the community. You know, she's lived kind of a, apparently a rough life. And um, she encounters Jesus. And Jesus says to her, can you give me some water? And she said, well, why would you even talk to me? I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. He said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a water that I'll give you in which you'll never thirst again. But he goes on and he explains to her and shows, points out to her, if you know the story, if you don't, please read it, John chapter 4. Um, he says, well, go get your husband and bring him back. And she says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, that's pretty true. You've had five, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. But you know what? If that was not Jesus, she would have left like she came, hiding, staying away from people, the brunt of talk, the brunt of gossip, shame. I've had some wonderful encounters with Jesus in my life about areas of my life, and they never produced shame. They produced freedom. They produced, you know, just, oh, man. Encountering Jesus produces and sets free. That's why you can openly praise and give him thanksgiving and let all those things in your life be known to him. He knows them because he's going to completely set you free from them. I've been told by people in, in the past sometimes something a little too open about my past, you know, Sometimes I'm a little open about how Nancy and I actually, we argue once in a while, pretty much daily. No, <laughs> that's an exaggeration, but I do it with humor. But we could, we could argue daily. But anyway, I'll, I'll sometimes just be a little open in my testimony. But you know what? It doesn't bother me because I'm not ashamed Jesus never leaves me feeling ashamed. He leaves me with prison doors that are blown open, chains that fall off, and heavens opened up because I'm going to give him praise and I'm going to give him thanksgiving for what I'm at, where I'm at, what I'm experiencing, and how life is to me. And life is so unfair. How many people... Do I know over the years, life is so unfair. I'm like, well, you know, quit. I had a brother tell me one time, can I go five minutes over, pastor? Um, it's Palm Sunday. Anybody got big plans? Heading out for a palm tree? Um, anyway, um, I was having good friendship with this uh, other pastor, he was 
on, on this new move of church growth. And, and uh, we'd both read the same book. You know, uh, Paul Yonggi Cho wrote a book. And uh, it was about spiritual growth, church growth. And what I got out of it was prayer, the key to revival. And how that equated in my life was this. Hmm, book goes under the bed. Book lays there for six months. I read it, but I threw it under the bed. You know, oh, yeah, it's a good principle. Like it. Get new neighbors across from us down there. And one day I'm hearing new neighbors. I'm hearing some music playing, and I'm like, ah, oh, they're having a yard sale. I'm going to go over and meet them. And a couple of gay guys. I'm like, huh. Wasn't expecting that. Listening to Hosanna praise music, and they're gay guys. And I'm taken back a little bit. I got to go back to my house, and my left brain and my right brain are having an argument. My left brain's saying, get the neighbors, get the pitchforks, get the fire on the kid. We got to burn these guys out. My right side says, where's that book? Where's that book, Prayer, Key to Revival? And I dug that out, man, and I read that again. And Anyway, so in this conversation with this other, what he got out of it was everywhere you go, you get a sticky note and you put up there 300, 300, 300, 300, because that's what he wanted his church to grow to, 300, 300. And we were talking, he goes, man, I'm just not reaching my goal. I'm just not reaching my goal. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Mine's easy to reach. Apparently, I don't have one. But I started talking to him about, well, just, just look at this from this perspective. Just start praising God, giving him thanks, and, you know, see what he does. See what he does. And he says, well, that's easy for you to say. You were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. And I, I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? He says, I was, belt, I was dealt a bad hand in life. And I was like, huh. I don't get it. I really don't. Because something happened to me when I saw Jesus for the first time and when I began to open up my life to him, and he set me free of all shame. He set me free of all bondages. He set me free of all this thinking that I had, stinking thinking. And he began to set me on a path of deliverance and victory. And that's what will happen when you get on that path of I'm going to release praise and thanksgiving in my life in all circumstances both good and bad. Amen. Well, what did I write down here? Oh, I missed the whole, one of the points here was back here. I got to backtrack. The woman at the well, and I'll finish with this. 
the woman at the well, what if Jesus at that point in time had had the same mindset as his disciples? His disciples came, what are you doing talking this don't you, Jesus, can't you see that she's a Samaritan? Jesus, and I love this because this is what our pastor has been promoting for us to have in our minds. Jesus was kingdom-minded, and Jesus was servant-hearted. And Jesus leaves no shame behind. This woman left She went back to the village that has done nothing but put shame on her her whole life and gossip about her and say things like this. Keep your husband away from her. You don't think that was said? It was. And she ran back and said, you guys got to come out. Come on, everybody. This guy just told me everything about my life. How many of us want other people to know about our lives? Not very many. But when Jesus touches you, it doesn't matter anymore. And when you begin to praise and give him thanksgiving, he will change all of those circumstances in your life for his glory and for your good. Amen. Let's get the worship team up or whatever you have planned. Oh, I'll tell you what happened to the gay guys. You guys want to hear that while they're coming up? We burn them out. I went back, I fell on my knees, I began to pray for them. Yeah. I said, God, open up the doors for me to have a friendship there, Amen. for me to have a relationship there, for me to just be known by them, not change them necessarily, that's God's job. And he does a good job at changing, a lot better than me. But what happened was this, we had a family visiting our church that Sunday and uh, we, uh, we said, oh, we'll have to get together. Yeah, yeah, we'll get together. He calls me up after church that Sunday. This is just within all in a week's time after I've prayed, and I've prayed for these two. And um, he says, uh, where do you live? I gave him my address. And he goes, oh. He says, have you met your neighbors yet? I said, I just did. He says, well, what did you think? I said, Well, I had these two brain thoughts. I told him the story, left brain, right brain. And I came home, I fell on my knees, and I prayed for the love of God for them, and I prayed for them, and I want to get to to, um, know them. And he broke down and began to weep, and he said, the one is my brother. And we left our church where I was an elder because they knew my brother was gay, and they told me I couldn't minister any longer. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.